Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Let's get Mike Wells on here right now from ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Go ahead, buddy. We That's a hell of a song right there, Mike Wills. I talked to, you know, for that five minutes, Karis Levert was here, Mike. I brought him on and we talked about this song. Oh, man. Hey, listen, hey, Karis Levert is in heaven right now, man. He's got Spider-Man with him. In Cleveland, Carol Levert is living the life of luxury, man. Yeah, you know what? And now we're really going to see because when when he's been joined by others that are supposed to be able to play, he normally messes stuff up. You know what? It's only when he's been by himself when he hasn't messed stuff up. But we shall see. By the way, Chris Hagan is with us today at Taylor's Pub, Mike. Oh, man, my favorite, favorite 2.5 ginger is up in the house. I- I get shorter I every it. time Wells cracks on me. Pretty soon I'm going to be just well, invisible. Well, I mean, that's what happens. You know how it is. You, you, you get, you get, when you get older, you get shorter, fatter, and bolder. That's, that's how it goes. <laughs> two, two out of three. I, I, told, I text Wells this, and I told him, we're up in the press box. It's right before kickoff in Houston. And I go, hey, has anybody seen Wells? And I got a good chuckle because he, he's missed up there with his wise-ass remarks. And I told him when they were getting – thumped 20 to 3 I'm like man I wish I could hear what Wells would be saying right now <laughs> this, in this press box oh man listen hey I know what I was doing actually I was probably talking to JMV around kickoff last Sunday yeah and, uh, talk talking a little basketball and everything and uh I was I was I went down a yard house with Miss Layla and her friend up around Collie Merrick and uh watching the game and then I got home in the fourth quarter and that's when they started playing a little bit of football man they started playing. They started playing a little better. Yeah, yeah. It took the fourth quarter. It took the fourth quarter for them to get their heads out of their rear end. I I tell you, it was scary there for a while because outside of those those two drives in the first, you had football, Mike, last weekend that was reminiscent of the football that was played when you were still covering them in Jacksonville back in January. It was that bad. Oh my God! But here's the thing, you know, people are like, well, they got back into the game. I mean, that, that's what you say at the uh, YMCA football level. They made it competitive in the fourth quarter, blah, 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 blah. But come on now, it's the Houston Texans. The Texans did, the Texans did everything they could to try to give the game away. And the, Col- and the Colts still could not win the, the football game. So, no, there's no there's no sympathy on them getting a tie. And it's a tie in football. Who cares about it? Who, who cares? Hey, Layla, I'm on the phone with JMB. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> Layla. Layla, I'm on the phone with JMB. Stop yelling at me. What does Layla want? I mean, Layla, listen. Hey, I'm on the air with JMB. Can you please stop yelling? I'm telling you. Hey, Layla and Laney, you can have those two together, man. Man, let me tell you. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) That's great. I, I asked. Chris, this a little bit earlier, and asked the uh, listeners too. I, you can make an argument that obviously postseason games are bigger, but 
you can make a significant argument this is the biggest game on Sunday in Frank Reich's career as head coach here. Agreed? Hey, you know what's funny? I was uh, golfing this morning up at Prairie View on Carmel. Shout out to Prairie View. And I made a mention of that to somebody. I said, uh, paper is simply the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if the Colts were to lose to the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last season, the team they haven't beaten in Jacksonville or England since 2014 and the fall to 0-1-1 with the expectations behind the season, I don't know how Jim Mercer, who we know Jim Mercer has no problem speaking his mind. I don't know how he stays silent. Forget waiting until they get back to Indy to meet in his office. I'm telling everybody to hold the plane, and we're having a, con- and we're having a conversation right after the game if, if, if they lose, if I'm Jim Mercer. So, yeah, I'm in 100% agreement. This is the biggest non-playoff football game in Frank Wright's coaching, head coaching career. It's one thing, Wells, to say, well, they haven't won at Green Bay since 2014, or they haven't won, you know, at Kansas City, but it's Jacksonville. I mean, there have been some good Colts teams, some playoff Colts teams. I mean, Ryan Kelly joked and said, hey, there's no voodoo, there's no curse, there's none of that. But at some point you have to say, what, what's, why, why can't they win in Jacksonville? I know one of those games was in London when we were over there for that uh, quote-unquote road game for the Colts, a home game for the Jags. But it's just inexplicable when you think about the run of, of bad luck they've had down there. No, no come on, come on, Hank, we can't say bad luck. The, the, the run of just bad football. You think about not only last <laughs> season, they, then you had the game in 2015 where they were on their way to just putting their foot on the throats of the Jaguars with Matt Hasselback as the starting quarterback. And then they had a late fumble in the first half, and it went downhill out there. Our good buddy Dwayne Allen uh, had to drop in London uh, on, on fourth down, I believe. They're, they're just – and then, you know, they, they had Jacoby Brissett get his head cracked in. Andrew Luck scored six points on there. So I can't call it bad luck, Higgs. I just call it so – they basically knelt down and take a, took a gigantic jump down in Jacksonville. Hey, Gar- Gardner Minshew looked like an MVP candidate one of those games. It's just – it's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, they've just been a bad football team down there. So, yeah, it's not like they've had, you know, a bad call or something like that. They, just, they have just stunk up the joint just like the city of Jacksonville. <laughs> they've missed, you know, they've had moments where they don't convert on fourth and, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago they had a fourth and short. Yeah. They could have gone up two scores. They try to go for it. doesn't work. You talk about drop passes. You talk about guys getting hurt and obviously different quarterbacks. Um, but it, it's on paper, all these games over the years just doesn't make sense. But none more shocking than last year when you go down there and play the absolute worst team in the league. And... Uh, Win and in, win and in the playoffs. It's all right there for the taking, and, and all's right with the world. Who knows? Uh, they they get in the playoffs, win a couple games. Maybe uh, the, the old number two is still here instead of the new number two at QB. But it's – Oh, he was gone either way. Yeah, I think he was gone either he way. He was gone either way. But yeah, if they went gone. to the they AFC – They could have won by 50 and they were – If they went gone, to the yeah. AFC championship game, you think he's Wentz is gone? I think he's gone, yeah. That's tough. I do. Well, it is. Tough call. Yeah, I do. Carson Wentz was not going to lead the Colts to the AFC championship. Game. <laughs> hey, he could have had the, the best offensive line, Walter Payton in the backfield, teamed up with Barry Sanders, with Jerry Rice and Randy Moss on the outside, and there was no way in hell Carson Wentz would have led that Colts team to the AFC championship. Game. 
So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, Chris Hagan of Fox 59. I'm JMV. We're live at Taylor's Pub. Nora is a location on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I, it's, it's funny. They've tried so many different things, Mike, to, uh, I guess, change, you know, change the way they come out of the gate. And last year, you had Seattle. Last year, you had the Rams. But this is the Texans. This is the Jaguars. And you look at how they played for the most part of three quarters a week ago, and then they ended up getting that tie. Had to make, uh, obviously, a change at kicker because Blankenship missed that 42-yarder. Potential uh, game-winning opportunity right there. I, I, um, I don't know what uh, – well, I do know what can get worse, but – you think they can play off of that fourth quarter that they had when they finally came together? It took them a while, but they finally came together and played a little football. Is that something they can play off of? Well, they yeah, yes, they can. But my question is, all right, now, Matt Ryan had a solid game. Yes, there was some bobble snaps. He you know, had to pick himself. But um, now, well, you know, you got you got Pierce going to be out in a concussion protocol. You got Michael Pittman a little dinged up. Can you imagine if Michael Pittman cannot play? On Sunday, Jonathan Taylor has to carry the ball 50 times and rush for 300 yards for them to have a chance to win the football game if Michael Pittman can't play. Yeah, that was, you know, you talked about we, we didn't see uh, Jonathan Taylor in the preseason, but thir- 31 carries, four, 30, you know, 35 total touches. Yeah. And you talk about, hey, that you, you, that's not sustainable over the course of, of a 17-game season. They've got to find a way to spread it, right? And if, if Pittman's not there – that does put more of the onus back on JT, and I don't think you can live like that. No, you can't. I mean, listen, they will sit there. The Jaguars will stack the box, stack the box, and just say, all right, Matt Ryan, yes, you're a talented quarterback, but who in the hell are you going to throw the football to that's going to beat, that, that, that is going to beat us? That, that's what, that will be the Jaguars' mentality, and that will put so much onus on the right arm of Matt Ryan and so much pressure. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead, Jay. You, Matt, let's just – let's. Let's assume they, they lose the game, go 0-1-1. And then you got Patrick Mahomes who, you know, again, helped by Justin Herbert's late interception, you know, sit there looking like it doesn't matter that he doesn't have Tyreek Hill in the home opener. It's just it, it, this, the worst thing that could happen for the Colts is that they were to lose on Sunday. They were to lose on Sunday. All bets are off the table on how the season, season can go, in my opinion. Well, you think about that. I, Chris and I had this conversation. I mentioned this earlier this week. When people were asking me, there's no doubt that Frank is in the crosshairs right now, especially with the fans. And I thought at the time that, you know, for example, a, a real FUBAR start of 0-3-1 would, would have Jim Irsay be doing something that he hadn't done since Rick Venturi going all the way back to when you were still in grade school back in the day, Mike, in the early 90s. Um, or they haven't done you know, with an offensive coordinator like Pep Hamilton for a while. But you go down there, and much like he was embarrassed in January, you fall to zero, one, and one in an embarrassing fashion, knowing how much is riding on that game. Who knows what may happen next week? Oh, my goodness. It could be a wild time in the city of Indianapolis. So, with that said, of course, are yeah. you saying the Colts lose the game? I mean, are you, are you, okay, no, no, you know what? I'm sure I don't, I don't want to, I see, I don't want to, fo- I don't want the FUBAR, and I don't want it to seem like I'm, I'm cheering for the FUBAR here. I just go by, by expectations, and, and maybe this is more of a gauge, a test, Mike, of what, what we think we're going to see to what 
we're going to see. You know what I mean? Because we've often think, well, they, they have guys that are really good as starters. Uh, depth is the issue, whatever. Maybe we're just all incredibly wrong about the level of this group. If they can't close the deal, step up knowing the consequences that could come to term if they lose this game. So maybe they're just not who most of the people think that they are when it comes down to it if they lose Sunday. Yeah, okay. I, I think all three of us, please correct me. You guys, you two correct me if I'm wrong. But mm-hmm. I think all three of us are going to pick the Colts. No, I, I, I already uh, made I made my pick yesterday, yeah, so I, I went with the Colts. I, 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 think, I think we all pick the win. But here, here's the question. Let's, let's take it a step further. Are you guys 100% sure the Colts are going to win? No, no, no. I mean, you never are. You, you never are, and certainly in Jacksonville. And certainly with watching, Mike, you watch – Seven out of the last eight quarters of football from this team going back to January, most of which has just been unwatchable crapola. So, I listen, I'm not suggesting there's a trend from January, but playing like that, especially in the second and the third quarters on Sunday, to me is inexcusable. And then you have to question a lot of things if that type of level of play, especially after that fourth quarter of positivity, right, if that type of play continues on Sunday. Yeah, no, I mean, again, so, yeah, if the Colts go down to Jacksonville and they win by, you know, three points, six points or whatever, and, and they're still the continuing prolonging mistakes that they, they had in week one against Houston, oh, yeah, the question, the question marks are just fine. I think the question marks need to be there right now after what happened last week in Houston against the Texans. You can't sit here, and, and it's not all about Shaq Leonard not being on the football field. It, it, it goes deeper than that. I mean, you saw – they, I mean, they're they're already rotating rotating players at left tackle. They're going they're rotating guys at left tackle out there, uh, drop passes out there. It's just it's way too many question marks for a team that has high expectations to win the AFC South this year. Hey Wells, a quick side note: the best part of my trip to Houston was I got to go to Bucky's and spend about seventy dollars. So that was legit. Um, what do you think about the hey, fact wait, that? Wait, 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 wait! Hey, hey, did you get any Beaver nuts, man? Uh, you know I did. <laughs> what are beaver nuts? <laughs> they're, they're, they're not called beaver nuts, but Wells and his family like to refer to them as beaver. They're beaver nuggets. Nugget. What are beaver like nuggets? Little, like a little, a little uh, sugary treat. It's almost like eating yeah. uh, some, some breakfast cereal. Ah. Have you ever been to a Bucky's, John? Never. Oh, my gosh. You're missing out. Yeah. Uh, what a, I, 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 I went out there and, and – um, my my uh, Tay's out there calling them beaver nuts, man. After after seeing Hagen Tone on a bison, he's calling them beaver nuts. I'm like, dude, are you serious? You were definitely hey. a, you were definitely a middle school kid. And then Wells got the brisket sandwich, though he can testify to that. Let me ask you guys this: Doug Peterson's friendship and background with Frank is that something that could get into Frank's head, or can Doug be in Frank's head as far as play calling and and knowing what to expect, and could that help? the Jaguar scheme come Sunday? Put it like this. Carson Wentz and his relationship with Frank Reich then helped the Colts out last season. I don't think you look at, look at it from any kind of aspect of it. But a simple fact, I think the Jaguars, yes, they lost to the Wentz-led commanders in week one. I think the Jaguars, <laughs> are, they, are a, uh, they are an improved football team. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're going to, you know, they're threatening AFC South, but they are going to be improved because they have a mature, they have a mature head coach. And Doug Peterson, a guy who's not hanging out in bars day to night, he's talking about the loss. So um, it, it, it'll be, I think the game. <laughs> hey, man, 
Why you got me laughing, man? <laughs> yeah. Er, the big herb. The big is herb. Is there a danger of – I was watching Nebraska football, and Nebraska's still living on the heyday, and they're just not Nebraska anymore. Is, is it a problem where we keep expecting the Colts to win these games because the Colts are the last, you know, the late – the early 2000s, the Manning and Luck Colts, they just win these games. Are, are we, since we're in the bubble, are we starting to kid ourselves like all these Nebraska fans are thinking they're going to get back to the glory days and they're just not? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't help when the owner is talking about multiple Lombardies and, you know, comments like that. That does not help out the talk. You know, I think, I think it, it honestly puts more pressure on the France, you know, the players, the coaching staff, and the, and the general manager when you got an owner who is very prideful, I mean, listen, Jim Irsay knows the game of football, but when he's making comments like that, I mean, it just puts so much pressure on the rest of the franchise. You can talk about it behind closed, you know, behind closed doors, but to put it out there in public to the media, that's what makes it tough, and that and that's what has fans, you know, yelling and screaming and wanting immediate success. You know what's interesting, Mike, about this is we, I, I guess I'll take it from my standpoint. A lot of this stuff that certainly I've been talking about and have talked about, whether it was the the kicking game before and the start of training camp, it's been the wide receiver forever. It's been, you know, the focus on uh, positions um, of need that really in this era, the NFL aren't as important as Chris Ballard would view it. It is kind of interesting how all this ends up doubling back, whereas most, if not all the time, We've been right. That's what the most frightening factor is. The most frightening factor is, you know, right about the kicking game. You know, once again, you may find yourself in wide receiving purgatory already in week number two. I mean, all this stuff we have talked about over and over and over again needs to address. This is what you got to look at. You're rotating left tackles. All this stuff we've talked about seems to come to fruition. Are we just lucky or are we accurate? <laughs> no, I, you know, listen, I think we are 100% accurate on that because, I mean, it's not just this season. I mean, we've talked about stuff in the, in the past. I mean, you know, not having a backup quarterback, things that have just come to the forefront. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I was, you know, hadn't even thought about working at IU as a full-time uh, professor when you and I were talking about question marks at wide receiver, the depth behind Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, who's going to play left tackle? after Anthony Gastongo retired and it was clear that Fisher was not the same player that he once was. Questions there. Who's going to step up for Jack Doyle after he retired? It just, they continue to continue to stay there with the question marks and the answers are not coming, are not stepping up. We're not seeing any answers to those questions that I'm sure you have talked about nonstop since the end of last season. Hey, uh, I was I watched the fourth quarter of that game last night at the uh, sports book in Anderson, and I was kind of standing behind a pole and nobody could see me. And who knows that they probably wouldn't recognize me anyway. But I heard some just casual fans talking, and it was not in a positive way about Frank Reich. So it, that's to, to back to John's point about if they were to lose on Sunday, I, I think that's going to be even louder. But it, it's it's funny how so, how quickly the fan base has lost faith in, in Frank, who I think is a great guy, but still waiting to take that next step as far as being the head coach, it looks like. Well, a couple things. First of all, they didn't see you because nobody was looking down. Uh, and yeah. and, and why, why, were you, why were you way up in Anderson, man? You're a West Side guy. 
Well, we like uh, Thursday's my Friday, so we like to go up there and, you know, play a little blackjack, play some craps, just hang out, and that's what we do. And then last night, it was fun because, you know, there's a there's a game still going on, Thursday Night Football. Oh, yeah, no, that, no that's not true. But, no, I, I, I think a lot of people are starting to view Frank Wright as a very nice guy with question marks on his play calling and skill, uh, ability. I think that's what, you know, great guy, you know, one of those guys who says the right things. But people are questioning his ability to play call, to call plays. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> there's no doubt. But I guess when you look at it, they could change a lot of these tunes around if they were to go out there and do what people would like and certainly would expect them to do. It's just we haven't seen that example. And that's kind of what you're going on to actually see it. They I do mean, at some point have to prove it you, to you. You beat Jacksonville and then beat the Chiefs. All's right yeah. with the world. Everybody's no happy. Question. And, then, and they're making fun of us three coming out. Look at them. Look at them a-holes. <laughs> them a-holes were out here killing the Colts a couple weeks ago. Now yeah, they're, they're making there, fun of us anyway. Sitting here at 2-0-1. Hey, hey, what's the deal with next Friday night, Jay? We, we kicking it with Joe to see and BBD? I'm trying. Where's Gino? DJ Gino, where is he? Where yeah, is he? I want to make sure you and I have a table for that. DJ Gino, all of a sudden, he ghosted us, man, as the kids like to say. I, I hadn't heard from him. I haven't heard. From, I'm, I'm waiting on it. I, me and you and Jodeci and BBD and the SOS band, I'm trying, man. DJ Gino, we're at you. We got to get there. We got to have a table. Hanging yeah, would go, too. Here, man. You know, it's funny. It was when I was younger and uh, – You'd see, like, Frankie Valley would be yeah. coming, and everybody, like, all my parents and friends would be excited about Frankie Valley. I'd be like, you guys are old and stupid, and now we're doing the same thing with these bands. People think huh. Frankie Valley's coming the 22nd of September. <laughs> no, he's still going. <laughs> and then, uh, like, you know, new kids on the block are on tour, and so many of my, uh, my uh, people that I grew up with are so excited about and posting stuff on social media. So it's funny how you, you turn in to, to your parents, and maybe you don't even realize it. Yeah, and by the way, did, hey, did you catch up? Did you just catch that, uh, Hagen? I don't know if you realize that. He didn't say, what? he said, me, you, DJ, DJ Gino. He didn't say, me, you, Hagen, DJ Gino. <laughs> I know, he kind of left me out. That's, that? I'm used oh, to that. Man. I'm used to that. Man. Well, oh. I, hey, listen, I'm going to reach out to DJ Gino again. I think he's promoting this. So it shouldn't be yeah. that hard to try to. Try to get in there, and because we got to be there. You know how disappointed I'm going to be if we're not there next Friday night, bro. I'm going to be hot. I'm going to be hot <laughs> if we can't get up in there, man. So yeah, listen, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make, we'll make, hopefully we'll make it happen. Hagen, don't worry. We'll send you, we'll send you pictures, brother. Hey, right? I, I think I think John is racially profiling me because the concert he took me to was Jimmy Buffett. Yes, I did. Hey, you know what? And I was in a bad mood, Mike, because I didn't smoke anything or nothing, right? So I was in a bad mood, and somebody hit me with one of those damn beach balls, and I took out my keys and popped it. Oh, man. I go, and somebody hey, said, hey, somebody get that guy some weed, would you? Come on. Good God. Listen, hey. You might take out your keys and try to pop something when a uh, big booty and a smile comes by next weekend, all right? <laughs> hey, I'm going to get up there. If, w- would you go up there? Could you, could you think you could do – could you go up on stage and do If It Isn't Love? And, like, we could play the role. We could be, we could be like, you know, Johnny Gill and uh, Trezvant, go up there with him. 
We could dance. They put us on, hey, they put they put us on stage. I want the I want everybody to have their cameras out, their phones out, and taking videos because I I need to be on the internet because I get on stage and gladly gladly roll like that and stuff, man. So yeah, DJ Gino, if you're listening, man. Take care of J&B and I, <laughs> all right? All right. Hey, tell Layla we said hello. Have a great weekend. I'm sure I'll probably nah, talk to you before hey, the game hey, on hey, Sunday. I'm about, I'm, about, oh, I'm about to take Layla's phone. And last thing, I need to hit up a tailgate next Sunday before the, uh, the Colts-Chiefs game. So anybody who wants to uh, hook me up, let me know. I'll come celebrate and we'll have a good time. Drink and eat. I think, uh, I think we got a spot for you, buddy. I think all we right, got you covered. Good, hey, right. hey Hagan, have a great weekend, man. I'll talk to you all later. All right, we'll see you, brother. It's uh, Mike Wells right there of ESPN Radio and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, we'll ask him if he thought that song was in his top five of the decade of the 70s, which he certainly loves. The voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is with us. What do you think about that song? Is that a top five in the decade of the 70s for you? I'm sorry, I missed the song. What song are we talking about? Bob Welch and Ebony Eyes. No, it's not hey, my co- there. <laughs> oh, well. Wow. Well, go ahead, Chris. Hey, Don, before we jump into talking about the Hoosiers, I want to be uh, the latest of the several that have gave, given you props for the 50th season with, uh, with IU. It's just a, an amazing accomplishment. And just uh, I, I, I stand in awe of what you've done and how, how you're still on top of your game. So just congratulations. Well, that's really nice of you to say, Chris. I appreciate it greatly. And let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Don, well, I want to talk about Ebony wanna... Eyes. You just missed it. I can't believe that's Don, not Don, Don doesn't <laughs> want to talk about Ebony Eyes. He doesn't want to toot his own horn or pat himself on the back. Don wants to get down to the X's and O's right now. But, Don, just just know that uh, so many people, you're, you're a part of the fabric of, of sports fans and certainly IU fans in uh in indiana and it doesn't go without without notice and so even though you don't want to talk about it congratulations once again <laughs> bless you son i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> it's a don fisher voice of the hoosiers a hey, couple of things got into gear last week and he dot ran the football last week as well hopefully you're going to see some carryover against the hilltoppers from that game last week well, that's exactly right, and we hope we see carryover for sure because uh, it's carryover from the second half, let's put it that way, because right, the first right. half was a little less than uh, was advertised, and certainly um, Idaho had something to do with that. They're a better team than we saw two years ago, but there's no question Indiana played poorly in the first half, and then they got it going in the second half, and a lot of it was because of the running game and, and the way the running game took off there where Sean Shivers finally showing himself and it was really good to see because the, that offensive line has been badgered and belittled and uh, criticized dramatically throughout this preseason, and it's been justified in the first ball game. But at least they got it going in the second contest, and the key is, can they continue to improve it? And that's what we all hope to see tomorrow against Western Kentucky because I'm telling you something, Western Kentucky is a really good football team. And Indiana's going to have their hands full if they don't come out there and play some of their best football. You, you think about that is a program, and uh, full disclosure, I, I worked in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, before I came here covering the Hilltoppers. And from a distance now, I've watched how that program has, has grown and, and moved up to the uh, upper division. And 
they, they put talent in the NFL uh, among those Jack Doyle here with the Colts. This isn't some program that you put on the schedule and say, hey, just go ahead and let's just have a cakewalk here and get a W. That's exactly right. They're a good program. Tyson Helton has elevated everything. His transfer portal ability to recruit to that area has been tremendous. They've got a bunch of new guys this year, even though they've got several of the guys that played last year and were so effective on that football team. They just have a good program, and that's that's essentially what you're talking about. This is a program that is just they've, they've risen up through the years they, they, they take themselves seriously. They love their football at Western Kentucky. And uh, they've got, they had the best offense in the country last year statistically. I mean, literally the best. They averaged almost 50 points a game, ran up over 500 uh, yards of contest offensively. They're just good. And obviously, Indiana coming into this matchup is going to have to be upgraded once again and have to go to play some of their best football because this team last year gave them all they could handle in Bowling Green. And I think they're just as good, if not as good or better, this year. Talking with Coach Allen before the season started about how last year certainly didn't go as planned, a preseason ranking and with high expectations. And the the culture he's built and the, the foundation that's in place, you, you don't want this to linger. What, what kind of a game is this to go back out there, get, get to 3-0 and as you get to the heart of the, the conference schedule and to say, yeah, l- last year was a little bit of a hiccup, but the foundation is in place where this is a kind of program we're going to be a winning program moving forward. Yeah, I think that's the key. I, I think, and Tom really tried uh, to establish that in his first four or five years at Indiana to develop a different culture, a different feel. And it looked like through the two years preceding last year that he had done that. Now, obviously, they had a great year the year before uh, COVID with an 8-4 season, uh, got to a bowl game. Uh, then they come back the next year. They go 6-2 and two in the COVID year. Uh, and granted, uh, some of that was because of the COVID year and some of the teams that Indiana played, Penn State, uh, Wisconsin, those teams weren't quite as good as they were the previous uh, seasons, but Indiana was able to take advantage of that situation, and they did so. Uh, but then last year, it just uh, fell flat on its face. It was just such a poor season in every respect. A lot of injuries on top of just poor play from a, a couple of really key guys. And when you looked at it, you went, oh, here we go again. Well, Tom doesn't feel that way about it. He feels like they've got a culture there. Uh, they've, they've established something. Last year is an anomaly. That's his, that's his terminology for it. And I honestly agree with him. I, I think that this Indiana football program is solid. I don't think it's great yet or anything like that, but I think it's very good. And I think a lot of the things that he did in the offseason with the changing in a lot of the coaching staff, uh, some of that maybe they those guys left. But I think the handwriting was on the wall for some of those guys too. I do think that this is a better coaching staff that they've got, even though they had to replace five different people. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this team continues to evolve because I think they're capable of doing that. But right now, it's all about Western Kentucky tomorrow, being able to uh, play 40 mi- or you know 60 minutes of football with an offensive attack that is consistent. The defense at this point, I think, is playing pretty well. A couple of mistakes last week really cost a couple of touchdowns late in the game when it looked like Indiana should blow them out and didn't quite get that done. 
But nevertheless, uh, I do think this is a good football team, but they've got to prove it on the field. And this game tomorrow, I think, is one of those that is critical in that vein. Well, like, like you said, Don, you, you don't you want to play a, a good 60 minutes of football. You don't want to be having to, to pull things out of the fire in the second half. But I, I think both those wins were, were growing experiences. And, and you realize if there is some adversity in a game, you know, the old cliche, you, you're never out of it. You can fight back in the second half. You can fight back in the fourth quarter. So I think that that builds that confidence. And as you said, last season, if you were to come out and started this season, you know, 0-1, 0-2, you start thinking, oh, here we go again. But I think the confidence level is, is back with this squad, and, and this game would only add to that. Yep, I, I think that's exactly right. And, and they haven't been on the road yet. They're playing at home. That gives them uh, even more confidence, I think. So, again, I think this is a big, big, big ball game for Indiana. I think a big game psychologically. I, I think it's really important for this football team to, to gain that confidence as they go through uh, this early part of the year. And let's face it, if they win that game, they're 3-0. and They've already got one game past what they were able to accomplish last year. <laughs> Uh, in the entire season, so I think it's big. I think it's big psychologically for this ball club. It's uh, IU Western Kentucky coming up tomorrow. That kick is at noon down in Bloomington, 11 a.m. Downstairs on 93 WIBC, and they'll have the uh, pregame show for you right there. Are you on your way to Columbus North? Actually, I'm. I'm on my way to Chatard to see Columbus North tonight. I am. My grandson, of course, as I told you guys last week, is. Yeah. Uh, co-captain on the team, and uh, they played Cathedral and got pounded pretty good by the Irish, but uh, I think this will be a different story tonight. I think they'll be very competitive with a good Columbus North ball club. Yes, yeah, for some reason I thought that that was down at Columbus North, but that's up here? No, it's actually at Chittard, yeah. Okay, all right. Yep, so I got to... I got to go to Ron Colley and get Blake later on tonight. And then uh, Jennings County tomorrow morning for me, Don, for a little cross-country meet at 6 o'clock in the morning. You want to be oh. there? Oh, yeah. I'm not doing uh, it, I but yeah, I'm not running. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't make it, John. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not doing it. I'm the one, I'm the one that would cut through, cut through the woods back in the days of cross-country. I wouldn't run the course. I'm cutting through the woods on that. So, but no, seriously, it was good you. to see. I, Go ahead. I said, I trust me. I don't blame you. I, cross country would not be my sport either. I hated running. Yeah, no, well, me too. I, I always viewed it as punishment, but for some reason, my kid digs it. So, whatever to each his own, Don. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Is that because your wife was really a good runner and fast? No, I don't think either one of us could run. Well, she could run better than me. <laughs> I just, I, I never wanted to. I mean, hash mark to hash mark basketball-wise was cool. On the base paths, that was cool. But, yeah, as far as, you know, running long distances like that, because he does track long distance and then cross country, yeah, that wasn't a part of my program back in the day, Don. I can tell you that. Uh, anybody that runs like that or does the marathons and all that kind of stuff, I want to go, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> yeah, so, you are so right. Hey, did you, that uh, late start because of the weather, did that have any effect going back to Saturday night, you think, at all? I, I was going to bring that up a little bit earlier, and I'd forgotten about it until now. Did that have an effect at all, you think? 
You know, it, it might have, but but look, it was the same for both teams. Both teams had to play in a downpour for the first half. Uh, you can't really use that as an excuse because it was it wasn't different for either. Both teams had the same problem. So, I honestly believe that Indiana just didn't play very well in that contest. And and look, uh, like I said before, Idaho's a much better team than they were the year before. I think it's a ball club that that uh, has much improved with in just one year's time with a new coach. Um, and they are very competitive, and they're going to be competitive and probably have a good chance to win their conference. So uh, I think it's just a better football team that Indiana played, and maybe Indiana was looking past them a little bit. If they were, that's a huge mistake, but I can tell you one thing. Tom Allen preached and belly ached all week long to his team that this was not the same team that they played the, le- the year before, and they apparently did not listen very well. <laughs> Yeah. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers again tomorrow, Western Kentucky and IU. That's a noon kick, 11 a.m. Your pregame coverage starts downstairs on 93 WIBC. Don is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Thanks, as always, for a Friday. Have a great call coming up tomorrow. We'll be listening, and we'll talk again next week and uh, lead into Cincinnati, I guess, next week, correct? Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Tomorrow's a biggie, though. we got to get that one out of the way first, guys. You, you got it, buddy. Have a great time tonight watching Chittard at Columbus North. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. See you, you guys. Yeah, it's uh, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Every Friday is on this show, brought to you by the 14 Central Indiana Car X locations. Shout out to Ryan and Kevin and the gang that gave me the oil change today for the 295th thousand mile of the Tundra. 295 right now, thanks to CarX and your 14 Central Indiana locations. Bob Lovell joins us. Bob, have you ever had a car, you ever had a vehicle that reached the 295,000 mile mark? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I mean, I had a couple that made it past 200,000, but not nearly 300,000. No, I've never had are that you imp- Are you impressed? You don't sound too impressed. Well, I mean, a, a man with your financial status <laughs> ought to be able to buy a car now and then. So, I Listen, here's what I said. I said, I am going to... Um, I'm gonna drive the wheels off of this thing. Right. And it's got ding. Right. It's got character dings on it. It's got some stuff that needs to be done. But I want to see how far I can take it by utilizing the normal type of maintenance. And that's where I am right now. Two ninety-five. So when, you pull, yeah. when you pull that off, are you expecting to get a, a national commercial gig from? Toyota talking about probably not no no well I mean here's the thing Uh, I'm a I'm an Andy Moore Buick GMC guy now (laughs) so yes there is no doubt I love their great rides but this was long ago when I was with Toyota is when I got the Tundra going all the way back to 2010 so true story you know you just keep it going you can let Blake and Laney have it and take it up to about a half a million if they're lucky 500k be impressive I think if I get there yeah Speaking of impressive, what you're looking at tonight as far as week number five of the high school football season, Bob, this bad boy is just flying by. It's flying by, and the weather, not to put a hex on anybody, the weather's great. I mean, it's been really nice. It's been nice weather every weekend, John. I mean, let's face it, it's been tre- it's been tremendous. Tonight is just another one of those wonderful nights. Brownsburg and Fishers, that's number one and number nine and 6A. Pretty good stuff. 
think, a great battle, Hamilton Southeastern and Westfield. Uh, how about that one? That's uh, that's pretty solid. That's, that is a great, great matchup. Also, I love uh, Ron Colley and Garen Catholic. Mooresville and Decatur Central. A lot of tr- a lot of drama there because of Coach Gillen having gone to Decatur, coached at Decatur, and now at, at Mooresville, and then Cecina and Heritage Christian, just to name a few. So Bob Lovell brought to you by CarX, your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. CarX.com for that location nearest you. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, you had mentioned Fishers, and that's a great matchup with Brownsburg. Fishers suffering their first loss of the season in OT in that Mudsock game last week, 28-27. Probably will be a bit fired up to try to gain some revenge against Brownsburg on behalf of what happened to them last week against Hamilton Southeastern. Well, I'm sure they are, but they're running into a Brownsburg team that's ranked number one for a reason. I mean, they offensively, they are uh, they are explosive. Uh, they, they they can score anywhere on the field. Uh, it's hard to bounce back after an emotional loss to a big rival. I think we all understand that. And but that's the nature of how good football is in Central Indiana. There are a lot of good teams. You really don't have a chance to take a night off. But that's. Listen, that's a really, that's a really, really solid matchup, without question. Hamilton Southeastern, by the way, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, going on the road, they play Westfield. The Rocks are three and one, Bob, on the season. They've done a great job, John. I mean, think about it. Played for a championship two straight years, lost a lot of guys, have come back, uh, and and really had. I think they lost their first game, have bounced back, have played well, seem to be getting better. Uh, this is a this is a great test. I don't think there's any question where you are. I think week five, John's always one of those barometer type weekends to kind of give you a, a gauge of where you are midway through the season. And it won't be long before we're doing the pairing show. So yeah, this is that's a that's one of a, a number of great games though coming up tonight. I know that, that things you mentioned Mooresville, Bob, a little bit earlier, and, and things did not you know end well for them last year uh, in the postseason, certainly, because they didn't go as far as they ultimately wanted to go when the bar was set. Um, It it does seem like just looking at talking to folks that that watch them and then looking at these final scores, it it looks like this team is laser-focused this season because they're just rolling right now before this game against Decatur Central tonight. Well, you know, again, it's a big matchup, but I think one of the things that they've been able to do is they can score. They are uh, an offensive-oriented kind of team, and they can put points on the board. Again, skilled guys uh, on the edge, great quarterback, those kinds of things. But more than anything, you know, they have a legendary coach in Mike Gillen, uh, and he's won, you know, 350 games plus for a reason. So uh, it's an emotional night for Mike, obviously, but still, you know, it's a Decatur Central team. I think still in a situation where they're trying to find themselves. Uh, the start wasn't the one they thought it would be, but uh, they, they have some really, really talented guys. The expectations were understandably high for them. So this is one of those games where you look at it and say, hey, if, we're, if we are going to be the kind of team we thought we could be, this is the kind of game we need to win. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, coming at you later on tonight. He's brought to you by talking about week five of the high school football season. Your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run Car X locations. I believe the game of the week coming up later on tonight brought to you by Car X. Ben Davis and Warren Central, correct, over on the east side. 
schedule is always, you know, that, you talk about a matchup. That is uh, traditionally two of the best teams in the state in high school football. Ben Davis getting better. Warren Central, uh, you talk about explosive offenses. There's another one. And so this, this could be a ball game, John. A lot of points scored in this game because these are two very capable offensive teams uh, have, have played well to get to this point. I think both teams capable of, of progressing uh, well into the tournament. And so, again, we'll find out a lot about what these two teams are about right now. He's Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, brought to you by CarX. So what other things, both north, south, east, and west in the state of the Indiana, other other games you think you're going to be talking about later on tonight, Bob? Well, John, I, I think, you know, there are some really, really good matchups, obviously, all around the state. Uh, I think a, a great one up north is Lafayette, uh, West Lafayette and Rensselaer Central. That's always a great game. Uh, I, I think that when you stop and look at it, you know, Lafayette, West Lafayette is they're a team that can they can win the uh, 3A championship without question. So, I mean, that, that is a really, really strong matchup. You can appreciate, you know, uh, some really small uh, high school-type games, those kind of smaller schools. Um, you know, Lutheran uh, playing a good Cascade team. Probably one of the, the one that's under radar people don't understand, Adam Central at Heritage. Adam Central has been in the top five in 1A all year. Heritage is just getting better and better. Uh, and so, you know, the, the count, Adams County is well represented because South Adams is number six, and they're playing number 10, Monroe Central. So if you're in, in Adams County, you're like in the epicenter of football right now. Nothing wrong with that. Well, Adams County is the epicenter of a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Not Green County, but it's, uh, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like Green. I mean, cow milking is probably it's <laughs> epi- at the epicenter of cow milking. I mean, Green County is too, right? So, yeah. Everyone, that was John saying that, not me. Just, well, well, I mean, listen, Green County gets it worse. Everybody would say Green County is the epicenter of meth. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that was John speaking, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm from there, so I can say it. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. You have a fantastic night tonight and tomorrow night, and uh, bring it as you normally do, and we appreciate you having having you on every Friday, courtesy of our friends Joe Childers and the gang at CarX. Thanks, John. It makes my week. Thanks so much for the call. You got it, buddy. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. CarX.com to find it on the Andy, on the, uh, Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline.